Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phil McElhenney. And welcome to the Anne and Phil Scoop Daily Virus, where we discuss the latest news, news, news advice and madness of the pandemic. That's it's, my line. That's I know that. Uh, we're in a hurry this morning. It's going to be a short show. Yes, you're running out the door. It's Tuesday, November the 24th. What's week 20? Sorry, week 36. <laughs> week 36, that's nine months of the two-week flatten the curve lockdown. And we have a very special edition of our scoop tomorrow with Dennis Prager. That's the Alan film scoop, the, the big show that comes out every Wednesday will be with Dennis Prager. I suppose that's why we're slightly rushed this morning. We were up very late last night with uh, interviewing Dennis Prager and then uh, schmoozing with Dennis Prager. Exactly. Uh, at all. And then just remember there'll be no virus tomorrow because we are not doing a virus on Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving wherever you are. Uh, and I just, yeah, so I want to say we were schmoozing last night in, in a kind of an elegiac way, because the restaurants in LA County are closing, maybe, maybe, but we, it may not happen and it may happen. We'll, we'll talk the, about right now, it is happening. It is happening that tomorrow will be, tomorrow Wednesday, will be the last day of uh, restaurants for three weeks. Yeah. At least three weeks is what they're saying right now. Yeah. So, um, However, there are rumblings that... That, this, that people, that there's a pushback. So, you know, watch this space. We'll, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with that next week. Yeah. So, stop the presses. Breaking news, the New York Times acknowledges that Trump was right. Mm, shocker. Shocker. And it's Thanksgiving, even if our lords and masters don't want us to celebrate. And the New York Times suggests, in fact, that we postpone... And in the UK, they're now issuing the rules for Christmas. Rules for Christmas. And no, Ireland, this, is, we're not, this is not a fascist country. This we're is not, the teasers. We're not developing into fascism. And yeah. Ireland is not the only country where mass has been banned. Now we hear of clandestine masses in the UK. It's like China. Yeah. So the New York Times, you know, shockingly, just this week has had, um, you know, an opinion piece by Nicholas Kristof. Where the title is, When Trump Was Right and Many Democrats Wrong. You know, imagine if they'd had... Imagine if they'd had a, an op-ed like that, you know, a few weeks ago, even, yeah. a few, you know, they never, of course, they, wouldn't, they would never have acknowledged he was right about anything. He had to be wrong about everything. Orange man, bad. But here's what Nicholas Kristof says. Some things are true, even though President Trump says them, you know, that's very grown up of him, isn't it? Trump has been demanding for months that schools reopen. And on that, he seems to have been largely right. No, not largely right. Totally right is actually what I would say. Schools, especially elementary schools, do not appear to have been major sources of coronavirus transmission, and remote learning is proving to be a catastrophe for many, for many low-income children. But I wanted to slow down on the word catastrophe. That's not, you know, there's a word for you. Pandemic? Well, this is a catastrophe. Yet America, yet, you know, I love this, yet, you know, America is shutting schools. New York City announced last Wednesday that it was closing schools in the nation's largest school district even as it allows businesses like restaurants and bars to operate. What, what are one, our priorities? I have some woman, then one of these, a teacher called LaShondra Taylor, an English teacher in Broward County, Florida, says, I have taught at the same low-income school for the last 25 years, and truly I can attest that remote schooling is failing our children. Some school students, she says, don't have a computer or don't have Wi-Fi. Kids regularly miss classes because they have to babysit or run errands to earn money for their struggling families. The amount of absences is mind-blowing, she Well, says. I mean, that's very nice of her to say that, right? But, but you also have to say some p p kids come from school, from families that don't care about education, that are dysfunctional, 
that are, you know, I mean, that, that's all very nice. You know, don't have a computer or Wi-Fi. It's not their fault and have to run errands or, you know, earn money. Or their parents are wasters and losers. And the children and school was the best thing that ever happened. These Correct. kids, yeah. that they got to it uh, out of this dysfunctional family. And, uh, and you know, and they, they, they loved learning and they loved going to school. And now they're at home and their parents are telling them not to bother. Um, and another person is quoted in the in the in the piece, Adola Whiteney, um, who is the chief executive of Re- Reading Partners, a, a literacy program. She referred to the traditional summer slide, which I've read about before, in which low-income students lose ground during the summer months, and told me the summer slide is now dwarfed by the COVID slide projections. You know, so just devastating effects for children on these school closures. Um, Trump tried to project normalcy blustered in July, according to Nicholas Kristof, uh, about schools needing to reopen. You know, blustered in July, you know, blustered. No, actually yeah. said. I think the word is said in July, schools need to reopen. Republicans backed him and too many Democrats instinctively lined up on the other side. What's that called? I think I know what that's called. Being a child, not being a leader, being an idiot. Joe Biden echoed their extreme caution. So Joe Biden echoed this, as did many Democratic mayors and governors. So Democrats helped preside over school closures that have devastated millions of families and damaged children's futures. But however, there's a a word missing from all this. There's a word missing from all this. In fact, it's wrong to blame Trump. and It's wrong to blame Trump derangement syndrome. There's a word missing, it's called unions. Nowhere there is the power of the teachers' unions and the destruction of the teachers' unions and the money that the teachers' unions give to these democratic candidates. And then you may have to ask the question, what are the point of unions? Uh, it's not to protect children, it's to protect teachers. Uh, so, but, but you know, so this is even a dishonest approach, you know, bringing, tr- making, making Trump's presence part of the problem when it's, it's actually one of those situations where it's only a little bit of the problem. You know, it goes on. There's awful stuff in this article, actually. Children learn best when physically present in the classroom, as we all kind of know. And, of course, the, the thing that Phelan's also pointed to there, one child in eight, uh, Nicholas Kristof has in his opinion piece, one child in eight in America lives with a parent with an addiction, a reflection of America's other pandemic. Um, I've seen kids living in chaotic homes, and for them, the school building is a refuge and a lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have no difficulties believing that. Students are struggling, says Art. Austin Butner, also Butner. Butner, superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District, where more than four-fifths of students live below the poverty line, he told me. And if you're not becoming proficient in reading in first, second, third grade, you may fi- face a lifetime of consequences. I think we know this, that if you don't do those, those learnings that you're meant to do at a very specific time um, in the learning, and as the learning curve goes, um, you know, it has very long-term uh, consequences because they don't do it again. You know, you learn that they, they have a specific time in that, yeah. in, in those years of school where they devote to these particular skills. Um, research, and this was interesting, I thought, in the article, research from Argentina and Belgium on school strikes. I thought this was interesting, actually. So they did, they did quite a bit of research. What happens when the teachers go on strike? When on school strikes, they, they, what, what happens to children indicates that missing school inflicts long-term damage on students. Boys seem particularly affected with higher dropout rates and lower incomes as adults. McKinsey and company has estimated that in this pandemic, school closures may lead to 1 million additional high school dropouts. And then just to read this, and I was telling Philip about this earlier, and I mean, again, you know, you read this stuff and it just, it really brings a tear to your eye, you know. Dropouts live shorter lives. 
So while the virus kills, so do school closures. One study this month has estimated that closures of primary schools in the United States will cause many more years of life lost because of increasing numbers of dropouts than could be saved even if schools did spread the virus And there's freely. no evidence that schools are spreading the virus. Across the country from Taylor's classroom in Florida, Lauren Berg is an elementary school principal in McMinnville, Oregon. Um, she saw some students flourish with distance learning, but three or four students in each class struggle to attend regularly. You know, the school tries everything. It gives out whatever Chromebooks and all these hotspots or whatever. Even with all of this, we're still missing some students. So, you know, basically the end of his op-ed is let's follow Europe. And it's interesting, despite everything that happened and how bad the pandemic was in Europe. And obviously the numbers in Europe were always worse than the numbers here in the United States, though some people seem to have a problem with math. Um, obviously, Belgium, all these places, France, were much worse than here. Always per capita. Per, per cap- capita. Which is the number that matters. Yeah, so the, America has a large population. It has big numbers. But per capita, the devastation caused per capita. Belgium is, is miles ahead. Italy's there. UK, UK all of those. But, than- but despite all of that... They kept the schools open. Mo- you know, by and large, they kept the schools open. So it, it you know, it's it's an awful story. And yes, we, as for as always, say, get the school, get the children back into school. The damage that's being done is is extraordinary. It's tragic. It's disgusting. At this point, it's disgusting. And the people that are pushing for it, as Phelan has said, there, the people that are pushing for it are unions. Yes. Anyway, uh, we're going to go and talk about Thanksgiving now. But before we do, I just, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that here in LA, uh, the the restaurants, outdoor restaurants, are closing for three weeks. Um, however, we have a we have our colleague Yvonne, who is very much the uh, COVID whisperer. Yes. The COVID, actually, the COVID politics whisperer. She has predicted everything correctly yes and her latest prediction which we'll bring to you because we bring you the latest every time is that the uh, the closure of the restaurants will not stick will that not it'll last. be reversed she thinks it's going to be reversed because there's pushback and in fact i think the board of supervisors the head of the board of supervisors in los angeles by the way the idea that there's people called supervisors yeah. it's, it's creepy yeah. to me but anyway the head of the board of supervisors apparently said that they don't agree and pasadena has just announced they're not closing their restaurants so, that, so we'll watch this space but honestly the idea that they would close all the restaurants here is just, uh, just especially the run up to in the run up to and over Thanksgiving, just yeah. terrible. A friend of mine, she she got a very nice thing in the post from a, you know a, a delightful restaurant that near her, and she lives in Hollywood, and and it was just beautifully done with the, what they were going to do for Thanksgiving, and she was just and she doesn't cook, but she really does appreciate other people who cook, namely me. Uh, but she was looking at this beautiful menu and saying. Can you imagine the amount of food that was bought in for that Thanksgiving in advance of the Thanksgiving, then only to have the Board of Supervisors or to have Barbara Ferrer, $550,000 a year salary, Barbara Ferrer, say, you know what, nah, close. And all that food, what, what happens to it? So, you know, some, so the latest, the New York Times great suggestion is, let's postpone Thanksgiving until May 27. Until May the 27th. I think that's, so that's six months. You know, this is their great suggestion. By then, yeah. Americans should have a lot more to be thankful for, including the likely availability of at least two, two highly effective vaccines, perhaps the freedom to get together with friends and possibly the end of the current economic slump. The date doesn't have to be in exactly six months, but that's kind of what, you know, this is what their, their great idea is. Yeah, I mean, by the way, I, when, I think the original Thanksgiving, there, you know, I don't think there was many vaccines around the original Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. You know. And a lot of wild animals as well. A lot of wild animals. It was a very rough uh, spot, you know. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Thanksgiving would be safest if everyone could all agree to get together in May instead. Thanksgiving is not about being safe, you know. It's about being thankful for what you have, actually, for, yep. for the misery that you have. Yeah, but this careful thing, and we mentioned it yesterday on the on the virus as well. You know, this seems to be the new thing. Is this, you know, zero harm? You know, the doctor talking about, you know, the doctor that I was giving out about, whose name I, it escapes me right now. But what a doctor on Twitter basically saying, you know, it's really important that your your Thanksgiving causes zero harm. You know. Imagine living a life that that was dictated by, by by doing zero harm. Well, you'd never get in the car. Yes. You'd just never get in the car. You'd never you'd never go to school. You'd never have a house built. Actually, you, you know, you you never buy a piece of land and build a house because that, that's a danger. I mean, that's, everything's a danger. Everything's you'd be a danger. Putting workers' lives in danger. You'd never order takeaway food. Actually. No, sure, you wouldn't know what would come in that. But also, yeah. no, the person would have to drive from the restaurant. Oh, but you're then, you're, and, and somebody else touched it, and you didn't see who that person who and, was. And, and the person in the kitchen might set themselves on fire. I mean, it's just... Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a complete adventure every day we get up out of our beds. That's why most people get up in their beds and wake up in the morning and say, well, thank God to be alive. And by the way, a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving for us, I have to say. And we are, you know, we are very lucky uh, through this awful time that we had each other and we were together and that we got a roof over our heads. And enough money to buy nice food and keep, you know, I mean, it's terrible what's happening to people. It's that the stories are just awful and they're only beginning to come out. It'll be years before people unravel the danger and the, the damage, the dreadful damage that was done. Not by COVID, not by COVID, by lockdowns, by the governments around the world getting together with these awful ideas. And then, you know, BBC and BBC, of course, in fairness, the UK will always outstrip themselves in nanny statism. Like yes. the nanny state is alive and kicking there. So they're, they're going to have, they've been advised, you know, they've been advised to have a careful and limited Christmas, you know, careful and limited Christmas. This is what they're talking about now, you know, welcoming the good progress made, welcoming the good progress made by all administrations over the past few days, you know, to design a single set of arrangements that can apply across the UK. You know, that this is the way that they're talking to yeah. people, that they feel like they can talk to the people like this now, you know. As such, ministers endorsed a shared objective of facilitating some limited household bubbling for a number of days over Christmas. So you're allowed to invite oh, a bubbling. few, few yeah. more people in, you know. And uh, you know what? What can what can Brits do this Christmas? And there's a list, you know. You know, I believe a limited number of households will, will be able to meet indoors, including at the pub. And uh, you know, they'll be relaxing. Effectively, effectively scrapping the rule of six over a five-day period. You know, and social bubbles will be announced, and there'll be you know, it's just it's just. They're telling you, I mean, they're going to micromanage the most uh, unmicromanageable celebration of the year. And, you know, if they get away with it, you deserve it. They shall not, should not get away with it. And people should celebrate as they want. And talking of celebrating as they want, I mean, it's terrible um, that in the UK there are no church services and that people, some churches have started to have, and not started, have apparently all along, had clandestine church services. I mean, what countries are we living in these days? This is the United Kingdom. Yeah. You know, minimal information, time and direction is quietly given with pleas for discretion. Once everyone is assembled in a barn on a remote farm away from prying eyes, says the organizer, it begins. This is no rave, but an English church service under lockdown and the organizer is a Protestant pastor. It makes me cry listen, writing this, listen to this. The Christians who will gather illegally in the west of England on Sunday morning, as they have for the past two Sundays, will pray, read from the scriptures, sing hymns and listen to a sermon. We've been holding clandestine services since this lockdown began, the pastor told the observer, speaking on the condition of anonymity. 
It feels weird for us to act like this in this way. People have said it feels more like an underground church in China. I never thought I'd say this in Britain, but churches are going underground. These are not isolated cases, and the longer it goes on, more churches will join the movement, said Andrea Williams, chief executive of Christian Concern. You know, what an awful thing. We've carried on as normal during the current lockdown. We're holding a couple of services each Sunday with about 160 people attending in total. We've asked people to be discreet. This is not a stunt we're pulling. We're not seeking publicity. It was a big decision. I've never practiced civil disobedience before. You know, you know, and you know what a wonderful person. You know what a and how right. And this story, by the way, we got this story from Lockdown Skeptics, and it comes hot in the heels of the closure of book of a bookshop and tea room, the Mustard Seed in Geldling, which cited the Magna Carta in its bid to stay open. Yeah. You know, the owner of the mustard seed in Gelding, Nottinghamshire, had already been fined a total of £17,000 for breaching coronavirus rules, the council said. She argued she had a right under the Magna Carta and common law to remain open. And on Friday, the magistrates in Mansfield granted a closure order. This means the business has to close immediately. Failure to do so could lead to imprisonment. A fine or both, according to Gelding. And anyone visiting could face the same punishment. You know, this is the this is the crazy mad world we're living in now. Yeah. You know, we have now here where we are, we have um, a curfew, and we're going to we're certainly going to be going out for Thanksgiving and meeting friends and and talking and breaking to the curfew and break and, and and we're looking forward to breaking the curfew. Uh, but because, I doubt. I doubt. I said to Phelan, I really doubt we'll get stopped. No, well, hold on. This is our second curfew we've had in LA. There was a Black Lives Matter when they were burning down the city. There was a Black Lives Matter curfew. Almost five hundred people were arrested for breaking the curfew. We 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 obeyed the curfew. Five hundred people were arrested, and then. The next day, uh, the mayor and the, the prosecution authorities announced they weren't going to prosecute people for breaking the uh, curfew because they were so upset and so emotionally uh, ir- irrational that uh, they were going to get a Bible. So it was a fake curfew that only law-abiding people obeyed. The lo- unlaw-abiding people didn't obey it and they burned down the city and nothing happened to them. So why should we... Okay, and why perfect. should we obey anything when we've got the way Gavin Newsom behaves and Garcetti behaves and Cuomo behaves? That's right. And by the way, can the we French just French say- Laundry Newsom went, to, went out, broke, his, broke the rules at the, at the most expensive restaurant in California. Garcetti went out into the middle of a Black Lives Matter crowd with no mask, surrounded by thousands of people. Cuomo out without a mask. Uh, Cuomo was sending old people back to the homes. But we did. We struck for freedom because at the weekend we have a very special person who it was his birthday his three-year-old birthday very important birthday yes most, and we, important most birthday. Impo- one of the most important birthdays so far, of, 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 so far of, his life. of his life so of course he had to celebrate it with close friends and family and more than that and we uh, hosted because we happened to be the godparents of this said fabulous th- three-year-old and what we did was Philip did very smart he put a, a big notice he printed up a nice big notice and put it on our gate and it said French Laundry Venice because we live in Venice and French Laundry Venice and everyone came and we had a really lovely party. It's, 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 for, for that time, it was the uh, Venice we were, by the way, branch of the French and by, Laundry um, and exactly. if Newsom's good, if it's good enough for Newsom. But by the way, and by the way, we're sensible and we're not idiots and we were all outside and we were all socially distancing fairly well-ish, nearly not all the time. Yeah. But you know, but people are, people are, you know, washing the hands is we very, did have very We did have hand sanitizer all over the place. Yes, actually, we did. We, yes, we did. And we had a lovely time. And I think people at this stage, nine months later, um, need to live their lives, and there are other there are other diseases 
like despair and loneliness that need to be remembered, they'll kill you if yeah. you don't uh, get, get a grip on them. So listen, have a fabulous Thanksgiving. Please watch our scoop tomorrow. We had a wonderful evening with Dennis Prager and I think you're going to enjoy it. And we will see you back here again then on Monday for the Daily Virus next Monday. So have a lovely weekend and try to, try to do something joyful and try not to be alone. Um, for even if they're telling you you have to be alone, don't let them force you to be alone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.